From Relay FM, this is the Pen Addict, episode 352, and this is our pregame of the Atlanta Pen Show. Today's show is brought to you by Pen Chalet, Eero, and Harry's. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am as I am so happy, and it's always a pleasure to be joined by Anna Reinert. Hi, Anna. Hello. I introduced you first today. Brad Dowdy's also here. <laughs> you got me there. <laughs> I know. It's building it you up. You was like, oh, he's being so nice to me. No, no. The guest deserves the warm introduction. You just get a, a mild hello today, Brad. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I could not agree more, um, Anna. I say guest. Let me correct myself. Co-host. Third co-host. Yeah. Thank you. Mike, Anna, and some other guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you had me. I had like, like my breathing pattern was uh-huh. corrected for... <laughs> getting ready to speak and then i had to like hold it and like spit it out (laughs) to the side of the microphone it's like (laughs) you got me (laughs) so good job by you mate i can't wait until you pull these shenanigans on me next week live and in person Mm -hmm. can't wait we've got a big show today we're going to be talking about a bunch of uh atlanta pen show related topics but that's not all it's not going to be all pen show for those of you that that won't be in attendance uh, we're also going to be talking about a bunch of other interesting things. I want to start, actually, by talking about a tweet that Brad sent late <laughs> <laughs> a couple of days ago in the evening. Um, it just says, I just realized I want an Arushi Lummi Safari. Good night. Brad, explain yourself. <laughs> I was heavily I was heavily medicated mm-hmm. because I finally went finally went to the doctor <laughs> last week and got some real drugs. So I was a little bit spaced out and on all this medication. And I don't even know what I was doing. I wasn't doing anything work related or pen related. I think I was just like sitting on the couch kind of, you know, it was later in the evening. And um I was just I don't know how that came up. I guess I w- I had recently used my Lamy Safari with the Lamy bronze ink. And I guess that kind of cross-pollinated with me thinking about Arushi pins and maybe seeing Jonathan soon and things that he does or, you know, one of my Nakaya Arushi pins, which I don't even have out right now. And I go, huh, this would be fun if it was coated in Arushi, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. So I just tweeted it out and then I went to bed. And that, in the end, like, this is, this is how my brain works, Mike. I don't know why you're surprised by this. What's the price point on an Arushi Lamy Safari? <laughs> it's got to be like at least $500 probably. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> no, know, I'll ask another uh, question. Would you pay that? It's probably it's probably less than that. It's would, probably less than that. Three to $400. But would you pay um, that? Would you pay 400 Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> there you go, Lamy. There's your special edition. That's how you finally put an end to the Lamy versus AL Star Wars is by bringing out an Arushi Lamy Safari. Well, actually, we don't because Anna chimed in this morning right before the show. I think she was taunting me on purpose, knowing right before the show I'm going to be reading my Twitter feed. She says, well, I have an AL Star ready for Arushi. So what do you think about that, Anna? Hmm. Well, I think you'd have to start with the AL Star. I don't think the plastic would be a good base i think you need the metal yeah i don't know uh, yeah i don't know we'll have to ask jonathan like technically how that would work how it would stick well so here is my my next question then could could this be done that could could somebody like jonathan do this like if you gave him a lami of some kind could it be done the only i don't know enough about it to totally say i think you would have some connection problems around the yeah. center of the pen yeah. 
uh, a vis- visually, like aesthetically, would it? Could he make it? Yeah, could he make it aesthetically pleasing where it didn't look like, you know, a fifth grader doing paint by numbers? Because well, I guess what you would there's a few things you would lose. You would lose the shape, right? Like ultimately, you would lose the shape. I don't know that you would, to be okay. honest. Or you'd lose the hole in the middle. You got to surely. Mm, no, you got to keep that. Like we're got to keep everything. Mm. No, I'm saying that's what you would need to do for it to be a Lamy Safari, but like, can it be done? That's what I'm wondering. I'm going to vote that it can. That's I why mean, I'm locking see, up my bronze. Yeah, you see all these decapods, right? Like the decapods and the decapod twists. They can shape this thing. I don't see any reason it can't be done. I just don't know that it's a good idea. <laughs> I feel like something to look forward to on our next episode is the answer to this question. Actually, yes. Yeah. So we'll uh, interview Jonathan before the show. He will not be. He's been a special guest on, at our Atlanta Pin Show episode, which we can we can talk about those guests. We didn't put that in the show notes, but we have our guest planned for next weekend or a week and a half from now. And uh, we'll in the in the pre-show we'll find out from Jonathan and get an answer to this question: What can be done? <laughs> All right, moving it's on. The to, important questions. Yeah, it, uh, we're really cracking open the case here. Yeah, Brad's drug-induced delirium has now created a podcast topic. That's great. There is a, uh, well, of course there is. I mean, I feel like this could be a recurring <laughs> segment. We could make an entire show out of the fact that there is yet another interesting-looking uh, Sailor Limited Edition. Do you want to tell mm-hmm. us about this, Brad? Yeah, one of these days, I'm I'm not going to post these. Like, I am not interested in talking about this every week, and neither the people are not interested in listening to this every week. Why are you saying um, that? I don't, I don't believe. I mean, I, I mean, doesn't mean we don't love them, but, you know, at some point, I don't need to talk about every orange, lime, pink, translucent sailor that gets made. And this one wasn't. It was different. It is apparently a metal-wrapped... That looks like it's like a hammered metal type of barrel on a Sailor Pro Gear. Trying to get the details of this pin are difficult. You know, one of my good Twitter friends and friend of the show, Calligraphy Nut, always sends me all the crazy Sailor stuff. This one just happened to be crazier than normal because it had a a metal barrel and it looks like a very well done hammered finished. Um, it's from Oita Made. Uh, yeah, Oita, yeah. So the 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 problem in trying to figure out the construction, the real construction of this pen is Google Translate is not really good. Please let me <laughs> at read its it. Job. Please okay. let me read it. Please, please <laughs> okay. let me read it. Okay. Okay. You can go. I read the whole paragraph? I'm going to read the whole paragraph. <laughs> yeah. Go it ahead. is a special fountain pen that brings together the traditional colors of Japan. There is a character that has not been translated, then love for the manufacturing of local companies. All right, everyone's on board so far, right? It's looking good so far. Mm -hmm. After three years of research and development, Oito's manufacturing companies have developed innovative materials colored with smallpox. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I understand what what is attempted to be said here. I think the smallpox is meant to mean like the rivets, like the little, the, the, the tiny hammers, but it's just... Beautiful translation. Uh, taking advantage of that technology, the collaboration between Oito Made and Sailor Fountain Pen created the Japan Blue Fountain Pen, which is what this is called. It's stunning. I mean, it's it's beautiful. I like. I again, I would break my moratorium for this. I'm not going to, but I would. It's a fantastic pen. Um, it's very expensive, even for these 
in the Sailor Pro Gear price range, it's still very expensive, 50,000 yen, which is translates right now to 454 US dollars. It's crazy. So I, I just wanted to bring this up, number one, so you could see it. Number two, because Google Translate is always good podcast topics. And number three, I wanted to know if Anna has a problem with any pins in her life, like you have a problem with Sailor Pro Gear Limited uh, Edition. I think before Anna answers that question, I should round out this by saying I've emailed this company. <laughs> of course you have. I emailed them because they have a they have an email address. They're just like, please contact us to oh, uh, receive a pre order, and I emailed them. <laughs> and Mike's like, why? Yes, I will contact. You. <laughs> it's like, oh, thank you so much for putting that, that information at the bottom. That's perfect for me. And they said to me, uh, I'm happy to be interested. And in, this is this is Dave said this to me. I'm happy to be interested in the Japan Blue, blue Sailor Fountain Pen it is possible to respond. Please give me a little time. Again, this is obviously gone for a translation. I think what they're saying is like, thank you for your interest. You'll receive a pre-order in like form soon or something like that. But yeah, I will buy this if I can, because I think it's super weird and amazing. So it's pretty amazing. Are you vaccinated though? From the smallpox, I guess we'll find out. <laughs> now, that would be the real twist, wouldn't it? Like, oh, how did Mike die? Oh, it was the Sailor Fountain pen <laughs> that ultimately put an end to him. It did you in. Yeah. <laughs> Could say that. So anyway, uh, I'll repeat uh, Brad's question. Anna, do you have any problems with specific pens? Like, I have a problem with Pro Gears. No, I don't think so. It's a very unique situation I've got going on over here. <laughs> but um, you went through a phase where retro 51s sort of did you in yeah and, and then field notes sailor. i have my field notes phase i i go this is a thing for me right like i go through these phases i mean when i go to pen shows i tend to look for the um franklin christoph pocket 45s um but not to the same extent i don't think so yeah. my worst crime is uh lady schaefer scripts arts but luckily there's a limited number of designs yeah, they don't make them anymore. So you always seem to come up with something at a pin show. Like you scavenge pretty well. And we'll we'll maybe talk about this a little bit later. But like you'll come back. Like I'll see you round in the corner with this little grin grin on your face, and you'll reach into your pocket and and like one pin won't come out. It'll be like a fistful. She's like, "Look what I got!" <laughs> and most yeah, of the time, it's the same shoes. thing. I do. I do. We all love. We all love showing off our little, our own little fascinations of the things that we're really into. And that's what makes this fun, right? We all have our things. Uh, talking of showing off what, what we like, um, the pen show is coming up. So one of the first things that I wanted to know about you guys as we approach kind of like our Super Bowl of the year, I think, is, mm -hmm. we'll call it that. Uh, what pens are you each planning uh, to bring. Uh, I don't necessarily need a full inventory, but is there anything special or a couple of special items that you want to bring to Atlanta uh, to show off to the people that make it? What do you have, Anna? Um, I usually try to bring some of my um, Lady Schaefer's because people do mm. like to see those. And do you have maybe a collection that most people wouldn't have, right? Because you've spent a bunch of time putting it together. So there is, even if somebody has some Lady Schaefer's, they, they would still want to see yours, for example, because you've been collecting them over time. Yeah, I do. I have some that have what's called the brilliance, which is like the little ring of uh, gemstones around the middle, which people kind of go crazy about those. Um, but yeah, so I bring some of those. Um, but yeah, I, try, I, usually, I always try to bring a few that are just different and unusual. 
I'm kind of the same way. It's like, I want to bring the outliers, right? Like I want to bring a sailor King of pin, not because I want necessary to like show off the King of pin, but I want people to be able to use one to grasp the mm-hmm. size of a pin like that. Right. You can only talk about a pin like that so much. You have to like actually pick it up and use it. So I bring that type of thing and I bring, a Nakaya so you can see the finish with your own eyes and feel how different it can feel in the hand. And then I bring like a, uh, pilot 823 just because I talk about it so much. And that's just a, a pen people tend to shop for, but it's good to have them, you know, try it ahead of time. And last year I know like I bought a Pelican 800 cause that was around the time the ocean swirl had come out. So I wanted to bring one that was that size. So people have like, you know, a relative right. type pin. Twenty three have a posting nib. It does not. My nine twelve does. So that one I bring for the nib. So like, so that's a perfect example though. Um, but because when I bought mine, they didn't have all those nib options in the eight twenty three, but they have like crazy nib options now. So if they ever come out with another color in the eight twenty three lineup, hint hint pilot, which I think we've asked for for a long time, um, I might try to get one with a PO nib. So, yeah, I like to bring like that outlier type of stuff just Mm -hmm. um, so people can say, even if they're not interested in it, they can try the thing that they've maybe heard about. Right. So that's kind of my goal. And I try not to bring too much. Like I might bring 10 pins, something like that. Atlanta is easy to bring a lot because you drive. Yes. Very, very different. Because no pens will explode in your car like they 100% will in a plane. Right. I don't know about a hundred percent. The way you, <laughs> this will never die. Uh, I am planning on bringing um, a bunch of my rarer or limited sailors, right? So, like some of mm-hmm. the stuff that people might not have seen, um, some of the weird stuff that I've bought from strange places on the internet, uh, and then also kind of like similarly, just things that are relatively interesting or unique so like you know i have a couple of brooks pens and i'll bring those and maybe like uh i'll bring a canalea or two right because they're like different things that people don't get to see very much but like uh like you both i'm gonna i I have in the past like brought lots you know like i have a big folder and i brought lots and lots of stuff but over time i'm like trying to just like pare that down a little bit so i'm probably looking in the realm of like 10 again to bring Mm -hmm. with an extra case uh, put to back to my suitcase for anything else that might uh, find its way back home with me. Because that's that's for sure. And like you told me before the show, Mike, your your pins are going through their annual cleaning before they make this trip, right? I wouldn't say annual, but I would say <laughs> a more uh, typical uh, deep clean than mm. than my usual cleaning regimen. Okay, would say. one would say. <laughs> They'll look their best. Gotcha. They are. They are. Shut them up. Now, we're talking about the pen show that we're going to be going to in Atlanta, but every day can be a pen show if you just go to Pen Chalet. They have all of the pens that you're looking for. They have all of the brands that you love. They have rollerballs and fountain pens, ballpoints, mechanical pencils, and so much more. And they have brands like Pelican and Lamy and Sailor, Caveco, Monteverde, Pilot. They're an authorized dealer, and they're adding new stuff all the time. New brands, new products. They're always adding new things. Um, every time I see something new, uh, Pen Chalet is picking it up these days, which I love to see because Pen Chalet 
They're a great partner of ours, but they they offer they're really great for the customer as well. You get free shipping on orders of over fifty dollars in the U.S. They do great shipping rates uh, elsewhere. They do uh, they back everything up with their one hundred percent satisfaction guarantee, as well as their low prices on high quality products. So. Go to penchalet.com right now, P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T.com, and click that podcast link at the top of the website and enter the password PENADDICT. This is where you'll get the code that you need to save 10% on anything at Penchalet at any time, and also to find your special deals for this episode. Uh, Ron at Penchalet said for me to, spe- like he gave me a specific one this week to, to point out that they have a deal on some platinum balance pens right now over at Pen Chalet for Pen Addict listeners. But as you know, Ron always does his thing and sneaks some other stuff in there as well. So you want to go and check that out at penchalet.com right now. What do you think, Brad? He snuck in a crazy price on the Diplomat Arrow that I haven't seen that low before. So, And I, and a bunch of people love this pen. It's a really, really solid, good everyday writer, great-looking pen at a price point that, again doesn't seem right Mm -hmm. like it doesn't seem possible and then i noticed on the homepage, not necessarily on the deals page which you can always get the use the coupon code pin addict they have the the lamy crystal inks and anna what i wanted to know what you think about the lamy crystal inks because i know you guys have reviewed some at the well-appointed desk have you ran any through the ringer yourself um i've reviewed two so i reviewed um crap i don't even remember the names of them a pink one which was almost Exactly the same road as Vibrant Pink. Yeah, the Road Knight. Yep. And then the, there was a teal blue. Which would be the Amazonite, probably. Yes. Yeah. That, that one was, looked really good. Yeah, that was really nice. Um, but they are more expensive than their standard line of inks in yep. slightly smaller bottles. So just something to consider. Um, yep. But there's several other colors that, like, one of them is sold out everywhere. So people are crazy for it. Um, and then there's one that's slightly waterproof hmm. just to take to something to consider. And most of the websites, um, like Penchelle, I think are listing that one. It's like a blue black. I think I am all about the road night, the pink one. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I might have to get myself a bottle of that actually. And I know the place to do it. Penchelle.com. P-E-N-C-H-A-L-E-T.com. Thank you so much to Penchelle for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. Blackwing Volume 811, the Library Edition. We're into the uh, limited edition release portion of this week's episode. We've got Blackwings, and then we're going to play the Field Notes game. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, Brad, why don't you tell me why you are, I'm sure, obviously excited uh, about the new Blackwing release? Yeah, they're doing, they're kind of hitting their stride with the storytelling aspects of these products, which is what I like, right? None of us. Well, none of no one who listens to a podcast about pens is in their right minds, but people who buy like an inordinate amount of pencils and later on notebooks, you know, that more than we'll ever use in our life, we still like to be surprised um, with all the things that we get. And Blackwing, with their last few editions have, or last couple of editions have really, I think, kind of made like the perfect perfectly executed additions for the story that they were trying to tell. So this, the library, this is, you know, based on like the retro styling of the, the green lamps in the library. So it's got this green gradient, green barrel with a phosphorescent coating that makes it glow in the dark. Supposed to be like the dim glow of the lights, gold ferrule, pink eraser, give it that perfect retro look. It's got the firm core, just kind of everything about it is right. Like 
is it my favorite pencil of all time? Well, of course not. But I look at it from, okay, what is Blackwing trying to do? And then they deliver on it. Um, and I think they did. Like, it's just about perfect in my book. And since it's green and we have Anna on the show, I want—I don't want to assume what she thinks about this pencil, but do you have any thoughts on what this edition is, Anna? I am really happy about it. The last few were not my favorites. Mm -hmm. So this one is really good. I love that it has a literary background. Um, yeah, definitely made my top five. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Like I, like the last one, the space one, I don't even remember what it was called. Like I thought that was a great, well done pencil. I will never use that pencil. Like it's just not for me. But like this one is. And then like previously, the one I did give a hard time was the 33 and a third. I thought they did a poor job executing that. But they they had some other, you can't, you can't win them all. And they had some others that they executed really well. But like this is definitely the best out of the last several editions and i think universally it's it's you know being praised around the the stationary blogosphere it's it's just like if you're if you're talking about people who are into writing tools and library um things come out like that's just going to be a win and th i think they did a good job telling that story i like Absolutely. that it glows in the dark and it really glows in the dark oh yeah they said they there must have been like seven coats of the phosphorescent on it so that it really glows. And it's brighter towards the, the end you sharpen than as you get further up. So you'll yeah. lose a little bit of that as you sharpen it, but it still looks really cool. And it's funny the way it's finished and the gradient, like the light that I'm in now shows off the gradient really well. But like, I remember when I opened up the boxes, I thought it was a solid color pencil, right? It really kind of, kind of changes a little bit based on the the lighting but it's this is gonna i mean this will be a sellout like it's just really well done like it i'm not a gold feral pink eraser person generally like i would i don't really care for those on the regular 602s but on this pencil it's killer like this is like 1950s right off the desk um in the at the library it's great yeah it was a good combination all right, let's play the Field Notes game. So there's been a new Field Notes release. Um, so as we usually do, rather than saying what we think about it, we will guess what each other thinks about it. So I think we're going to do it in this way. Brad, I am going to guess what you think. You will okay. guess what Anna thinks. And Anna, you can guess what I think. So we can do this pretty simply. as like, do we think... So do I think Brad likes this edition? I think that this one is a is going to be an absolute knockout for Mr. Brad Dowdy. So this is the Mile Marker edition. It features three books of three different designs, which I know Brad really likes when they're all different and they're all simple. Uh, they all evoke different kind of like roadway signs and as well as the big bright colors. They have like a cool, like a really cool holographic crown foil on them. So they would like, like a street sign would, uh, would give you some glow back when you, when you shine a light at them. And if you're a subscriber, oh, you can buy it separately. They're going to send out a map that they made uh, of uh, American Highway. Like it's a highway map. It's a national highway map, which is a super interesting thing to do. So I'm going to guess that Brad Dowdy loves this edition. So do I answer now or do I go ahead and, and try to guess I think, I think for the movement, answer now and then you can guess Anna. It's better than the space edition that they just released two editions ago. There's my hot take. So that should tell you everything you need to know about what I think about this edition. Oh, so you'd love it then? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, because I know that you like the Space Edition a lot, right? 
Mm-hmm. When when I got the email about this one, I want to use this edition a lot. Okay, the space edition. I wanted to look at that edition a lot. That's a difference in my book. So, and we we can talk about it more. Um, let me guess, Anna's. I think this is a tough one. I think Anna likes it. It won't be a favorite, but I know she appreciates the highway system, the style, and the finishes of the exterior cover. I don't know that it will be a favorite of hers in the grand scheme of things. Although, saying that, I don't know what her favorite field note styles are so it's a little bit harder to pin down where like i kind of know mike's mike's thoughts and my thoughts pretty well i don't totally know anna's thoughts so i think this for anna this is a like not love you're pretty close i was expecting a little bit more with the covers in terms of the design Mm -hmm. but i do like the holographic foil and the map is super cool yeah um but yeah so they're like just slightly above meh (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> that's about right. I'd say, yeah. So my guess for Mike is I know that uh, he's said before that the um, endless Americana is getting uh, tiresome. <laughs> and this is another case of American national highways. And the fact that it comes with a map of the U.S. is just going to be something that he's like, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> so I think... He's going to like the bright colors and the cool printing techniques and the dot grid, but it's not going to be a favorite. So he's probably more on the meh to not a favorite. Very close. So when I got the email, I was like, (laughs) 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 because it was, you know, like the the wonder of the American highway. And I was like, here we go. Uh, But I clicked the page and the design of these some is like triggered in my brain. Like I think these are absolutely stunning because they're so beautifully simple. Um, I think like the big, they chose three very different colors, three di- very different like emblems, you know, like of the different street signs. I adore the, uh, the, the, the kind of the crown foil that they've done. I think that's a beautiful touch. So basically, Anna, you've got, all of the little parts, but I actually do. I think that this is a really great looking like set because the look of these, I don't think is so heavy in America. They just they're just like really interesting looking road sign kind of things. They did that, you know, like um, I can't. I'm trying to think of like a way it could have been different, but like if it maybe would have. Oh, you know what I thought it was going to be, and it would have changed it. I thought they were going to go with another like photo edition Mm -hmm. of the highways that would not have worked for me because that's just like pictures of american highways like the map is like that is i'm like okay this is nice but like what am i gonna do with this but this this reminds me more like uh the coastal edition than three missions where they've taken a thing and they've made a nice design out of it which evokes something in America, rather than just straight up putting some pictures on the notebooks so i think this is a very, very strong contender in my top list. I'm looking forward to getting it. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad it's, you know, dot grid. You know, I love that. I love that format. You know, two out of the three covers are really could be 
you could find those types of street signage anywhere in the world. You know, the yeah. the, the the deer and the the exit interstate signs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, are really kind of universal. The only you know super Americano one is the um, the the Eisenhower um, logo and the, the traditional red, white, and blue. But like, I just think, like I said, I want to use as many products that I'm subscribing for, you know, obviously, you know, I don't, I'm not subscribing to these things to just sit there and have them look pretty. And I want to use this edition like heavily. Like I want to more, more so than the, the previous one, I want to call it conspiracy, but it's not conspiracy. (laughs) What's the the previous one? Clandestine. And then the, the three missions, like those are perfectly fine. Great looking additions. Like real, I mean, you know, the three missions was spectacular. I didn't really want to stick it in my pocket, grab a pen, and head out the door. Mm-hmm. This one I do. It invokes yeah. something different. I'm getting some real strong day game vibes from these. Yeah, for sure. Which And that was an addition, a very early addition that I got and used because that was just like a really cool three-pack. Right, right. So, Anna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you... I'm going to give you a task between now and Atlanta. I want you to get in touch with our friend Brian at Field Notes mm-hmm. and ask him who he paid off for the street sign or did he just commando hack it? Um, we need to figure out his his Department of Transportation yeah, access level for the video. Um because I thought they did a good job. I thought it was cute. I, I really like that. I was like, they're not going to put that on the sign, are they? Are they? They did it. Oh, they really he's had that since he was in college. <laughs> 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 yeah. So that was that was really good. So that's that's your uh, that's your homework for the All right. for the show. I need I need Behind to know. We need we need to know what level of shenanigans Brian went through to to get that done. Yeah, so this is like the electronic road sign, right? They got like field notes on it. They got like field yep. notes written on it. We know Brian and I know each other because we both ride scooters, right? Yep. So there were scooter shenanigans in our past. Yep. So that's perfect. So that's why that you're the one for for this task. I know you can you can pull it out of it, pull the truth out of it. So good job by Field Notes. This is one of those additions that's actually been requested for about five or six years now, right? When, you know, people try to guess what additions are going to come out next. Uh, American Highway Systems was always on there um, on that short list. So I'm glad to see one that they did and executed so well. And I'm interested to see how the uh, how the foil stamping looks too. Um, when we get them in hand. So mine have not arrived yet, but I'm sure we'll have them before next week and I'll bring them. All right. This episode is also brought to you by our friends over at Eero. With Eero, you can build a Wi-Fi system perfectly tailored to your home. And considering the high bandwidth world that we live in right now, this is something that you need because distributed systems are very important to make sure that you get the best speeds available to you for whatever it is that you want to be doing online. And with Eero, you can install an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi system in your home in just a few minutes. Everything starts with the second-gen Eero device. It has three 5 gigahertz radios, which allows for increased speed 
and range. And it sits flat on any surface connecting either over Ethernet or wirelessly to your network. Then you can easily expand the coverage throughout your whole home by adding in small Aero beacons. These are just additional devices that plug directly into the wall, allowing you to reach every corner of your home. Basically, if there's a plug socket there, you can put an Aero beacon in and then you'll be extending your connection, your super fast connection, wherever it needs to be. Eero is now also introducing Eero Plus, which is designed to provide simple, reliable security to help defend all of the devices in your home from malware, phishing, and unsuitable content. Eero Plus can automatically tag sites that contain violent, illegal, or adult content, so you have powerful parental controls at your fingertips. There's an ad blocking function to help improve load times for websites that are full of privacy-invading ad tracking, and it also it's also possible to have Eero Plus check the sites that you visit against a database of millions of unknown threats to help prevent you from visiting malicious websites. Era Plus even includes subscriptions to 1Password for password management, Malwarebytes for antivirus solutions, and Encrypt.me. Brad, can you tell me a little bit about Era and how it changed your network at home? I can't. You know why? Why? Because I never have to do anything with it. <laughs> it's that good of a product. I, I know I scared you a little bit there. You did. You were like, um, I've thrown it out the window. <laughs> it's one of those products that just works exactly how it says it's supposed to work. Like I plugged it in. I set it up. My internet coverage in my house improved. And then I never have to look at it again. It's just always on and always working. So I can't tell you much more about it than that, Mike. It's really good. But that is the perfect thing. That's exactly what you want. You know why? And it goes right into Eros tagline, Brad, which is never think mm. about Wi-Fi again. That's what you don't oh, have to okay. do anymore. There you have it. You can get $100 of the Eero base unit and two beacons package and a one-year subscription to Eero Plus just by going to Eero.com slash pen. That's E-E-R-O dot com slash P-E-N. And at checkout, use the promo code pen. Surely you can remember that one. That is Eero.com slash pen and the code pen for that great discount. Our thanks to Eero for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. So we <laughs> we are ready for the Atlanta Pin Show. At least I'm ready. I don't know if you're ready, sure. uh, Mike or Anna. But we have, between Anna and myself, we've already been to, what, three pin shows this year? Anna, you went to LA and Little Rock, right? Mm-hmm. And then I've been to Baltimore. And I wanted to talk about and continue to talk about pin show etiquette and what people can expect at different pin shows based on like our experiences. Now we've covered this topic a lot of times before, but the reason I'm bringing it up again is because it continually comes up and it continually changes and there's always new people coming into this. And then, you know, Anna and myself and Mike might have new thoughts on the types of things to expect. Like this question and the answers to it never get old and they never get stale because things are always changing. If you went to a pin show, you know, five or 10 years ago, it's very different. Um, at least some pin shows, um, some pin shows, not as different, but in general, you know, these things are changing and there's always new people in it. And we want to allow everyone to have the best time possible at a show. So as much information you can have about going into a show, I think it's a worthwhile topic for us to discuss, especially with all three of us about to head to Atlanta and a bunch of people coming to Atlanta, including some new people and some experienced people. So, And this is information that is usable for any pen show that you might go to, not just Atlanta, but also in general, I think any type of convention 
you can you can apply a lot of this uh, knowledge or this this experience to that as well. Yep. So I know Anna, the experience between LA and Little Rock is very different, and I don't know that Light we need years. to. Yeah, I don't know that we need to like review like the actual shows itself, you know, and why one was different than the other or better or worse or any of that stuff. But did you pick up on anything like between the two shows that you would just want to like reiterate to our listeners or to someone who's considering, you know, going to their first pin show or someone who's been to, you know, a dozen pin shows? Like, have you picked up anything this year that you just want to like reinforce or something new? Well, I mean, Little Rock and L.A. are literally the antithesis of each other <laughs> because the L.A. show is a is a large show and the Little Rock, the Arkansas show is, is a very small show. So, I mean, in the way that like the Long Island show is not a huge show either. And then San Francisco is a really big show. So, I mean, you could use those as comparisons as well if you wanted, um, you know, and their their venues are very different as well. So, um, if you were going to your very first show and were trying to pick a show to attend, um, and say you lived in, I don't know, Oklahoma city, like no. I would definitely say maybe go to Arkansas as your first show and not the LA show or go to Dallas, which is a two day show, um, rather than San Francisco for your very first show, because it would be less travel distance it's a i mean dallas is still a big show but it's a the hotel is a lot less expensive you know you that gives you more money to spend um in the market you know shopping with the vendors and that kind of thing um so it's just thinking those types of things through and the smaller show gives you an opportunity to sort of circle the same vendors a couple times rather than a really big show where you might not even get to see all of the vendors in two days yeah, I think that's that's important that like an important difference between like a, a small show and a big show. And I don't know that like the attendees of of LA would have guessed this beforehand if they weren't involved in you know the behind the scenes and knowing what the changes were. That when they walked into that door, number one, it might be a few hours before they got in the door, and number two, they probably got one crack at passing a table just because of the crowds and the inefficiencies of the ballroom floor. So like, that's kind of like, you can't account for that ahead of time, but I would hate for that to be someone's very first pin show experience going. They would probably never want to go again. And then like you said that little rocks, the antithesis antithesis of that. And Baltimore is probably somewhere in between, right? It's big and busy, except the difference is you could get around you know, it wasn't overly big, but it had, you know, any vendor you wanted to see there, any product you wanted to see there, and you could see it multiple times. You could go look at something and then go ask your friend a question or, you know, shop, you know, different vintage pins from different dealers and see who's got the best quality products or best deals. So, like, it's always good to take your time anytime you go to one of these events and we've said that from day one like you have to like be careful about freaking out like mike did the first time he came to the atlanta pin show it was like i needed i needed one of those like um like little baby leashes for mike that year because he just like ran off and he like come back with like hands fulls of stuff it's like well, settle down mike 
I still stand by my original thought on that, which I actually think is still a fine thing to do. You can go wild as long as you don't go over your budget. And I didn't go yes. over my budget. I still had a budget, so. and the budget was set. And I went crazy, um, but I kept within the budget. And I think budget is the, is the more important part uh, of that kind of equation. I, I think a budget is more important than a list, than a shopping list. Mm-hmm. Right. So... Like I've gotten out of the shopping list, but that's just because of a different, I'm in a different place now with, you know, my pin show, you know, wants and needs. Um, Yeah, that's in the same way that like, I don't really set budgets anymore because I am less inclined to buy everything. Yeah. So I don't, I don't have a, a fixed budget, but I know like what that number is. Like I know what that limit is. It's like, okay that's enough. <laughs> you know, you have to be able to, you want to be able to figure out what your budget is so you know when to stop because you get that FOMO of not being at the pin show. Well, I'm not going to be here tomorrow, so I need to get this today. Well, and the reality is, well, maybe you could get it 6 months from now if you're still interested. If you're not like 100% committed right now, it's okay to say no and it's okay to wait. Like that's one of the topics that I put down like it's okay to say no and it's okay to pass on the thing like take it slow pace yourself and if you have any questions at all it's okay to say no like there's going to be other opportunities there's going to be other pens and inks in the future it's okay most of the vendors if there is something that you're interested in but not sure about ask for their email address ask for their phone number ask to take a picture of it and you can get back to them because especially with a vintage vendor in a lot of cases, no one else is necessarily going to buy that particular pen. Mm-hmm. So you have that opportunity to sleep on it, think about it, contact them, you know, the following week and say, you know what, I really am interested in that pen. You know, you email them later, you know, contact them and have that, you know, you can continue to have that, you know, relationship with somebody, but, you know, get their business card, get their contact information. Yeah, that's one of the things I wanted to point out that you wrote in the notes. Um, one of your tips was visit a vendor you made a purchase from last year and you know maybe mention, hey, I bought a pen from you last year. I bet you they'll remember. Um, and even if they don't, they'll lie. And then they'll remember you this time. But that relationship ends up being priceless. If this is a thing that you actually get into over the years, you start to have these evolving relationships and you know that, hey... I can go to Jane and she has X and it was really good last time and she knows what I like now and now we have this relationship. So, you know, I thought that was a really good, a really good point. So if you buy anything from somebody, see if they can give you a a business card when you make your purchase or write down their contact info. So even if you never have to contact them, you do remember who you purchased it from so that you can go back to their table the following year. Mm -hmm. Because um, sometimes you won't remember. Guys in yeah. fishing vests and <laughs> Yeah. The other thing you asked, which is something I just I started doing, and I'm not big in the vintage pin markets, but I do like to have a few here and there, um, especially like if something really catches my eye. And you put down if you buy a buy a vintage pin, ask the vendor how they acquired it and if there's anything special about it or how they got into collecting that type of product. And if there's anything you'll realize, it's that probably I'm gonna I'm gonna put it at ninety percent of the vendors 
would love to regale you with tales about how they they found their fountain pens or how they got into certain things. Now, there's going to be some that don't, and you'll know pretty quick. And then you, the lucky thing is there's someone next to them that will, you know, um, give you the time of day. And they just they they want to tell you about these things. So they're usually more than happy and glad to share information, especially like very beginner information. We've I've definitely seen a change over the past several years to the openness of some of the more traditional and vintage vendors who, you know, weren't really used to this younger newbie crowd that had started to come and populate these pin shows. Well, guess what? That crowd hasn't changed. And in fact, it's probably gotten younger and maybe newbier. So <laughs> they're, they're learning to, Hey, we should probably work on these things. And I, I think we're starting to see a change. Would you, would you agree with that, Anna? Absolutely. I feel like, you know, people like you and I worked pretty hard to start breaking down their defenses, mm-hmm. you know, and so now they're starting to warm to new, younger collectors. So we did the hard work, so it'll be <laughs> the next the next. And we group. keep we we keep doing it. Like I will I will continue to like I will continue to like chip away at like like the ice <laughs> frozen exteriors, um, just because I'm kind of obsessive that way it's like if you're not going to give me the time of day i'm going to keep asking you what time it is until you do kind of thing <laughs> so i'm i not in a in a, a pest pesty manner but uh just in a hey we're all in this together and it would be cool like if you were part of this too so you know that's something i work on um well, with the, vintage- the fact that we're all at, at a pen show means we already have a shared interest yeah and so we have something we can talk about. Yeah. And we see these people a lot. Like it's not, they, they, I'm pretty sure they recognize the pink hair girl from show to show. Right. Like Except they just for the did. organizer at DC. <laughs> That's true. cannot pick me out of a crowd. That's true. That's true. <laughs> so we'll figure it out. One of the things along the vintage line of questioning that I always ask is, is this pin restored? And did you restore it? Like those are two kind of separate questions. So I will tend, I'm not in a place where I'm comfortable like restoring pins. If I'm buying a vintage pin, I want it to work perfectly. So I'll want to know, you know, if they have restored it and then that way I know they can tell me more about it than, you know, just any generic. And a lot of people selling like vintage pins, they will absolutely not restore the pens. They have, they have bought or found these pens at estate sales and will sell them as is. You'll get them cheaper that way, but there's more than likely going to be some problems you're going to need to, to work on. So I always ask, is this pen restored and did you restore it? So I think that's good, a good way to, uh, to go about that. Anna did this. You, you did a really good job with these show notes. Yeah, that's why that's why it's worthwhile talking about these things over and over and over again, even if people think they've heard it. I've never written down this, even though I practice it, buy something for a friend or a loved one. I think that's great. Like, that's something I do. Like, I buy things for other people all the time, but I've never thought to actually put that down as a pointer. So what what made you put that down there? Well, um, Bob and I were talking about it, and it's like, if you're at the show for the full weekend and you're doing your, you know, third lap, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> And it's like, this time, walk around thinking about what can I take home? What can I take to a friend? What can I take to a loved one? Um, and look with different eyes at the table, at the tables, you know, do the next 
around looking for things for somebody else. Heck, you could even be looking for a friend who is at the show with you or somebody who couldn't make it to the show. You know, what would they be looking for? And that completely changes the perspective when you're staring at a table, right? Like if I'm looking around at, I don't know, whatever I'm looking for, you know, Parker Vacumatics. Well, I kind of fixate on that. But if I'm not looking for that and I'm looking for something I wouldn't consider consider buying, I might see completely different things that I never would have noticed on the table the first time, you know, and it, it could be anything. And I don't know. I, I just thought that was a really interesting nice. topic. Yeah. Yeah. I like to, that a lot. to think about, especially if you're going to spend so much money on yourself, you know, maybe a little gift for someone that you, you care about is also just a nice thing to do. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. One thing we can all agree on. And actually I want to give uh, listener Todd a shout out. Um, for sending me like a super long email about, um, you know, his tips and tricks for going to pin shows. And we're going to kind of, we'll be in and out and a lot of it, uh, a lot of things we'll, we'll touch on, but like one of the things that we can universally agree on, and I still see, you know, newbies being nervous about this is asked to touch the pen. It doesn't matter what it is. Obviously if it's really expensive, you don't just want to like pick it up, but even like small, you know, or least less lesser expensive pens. I am just in the habit, even if I know have known someone for years and years, and I eat dinner with them and I share a drink with them at the bar. If I'm at their table, I'll say, "Can I pick this up?" Because I number one, I want them to know that this pen is in my hand at their table, even though they know me. Like I don't have to do that, but it's just the respect. It's like a mutual respect from both sides of the table to ask that question. Um, you know, I'll always ask, you know, may I pick this up and I'll even ask, you know, how do I unscrew it or how does it, how does it cap? Or, and sometimes they'll just give you that information, you know, whether it's a screw cap or a pull cap, um, you don't want to shoot ink across the table. Like, you know, we've all done, you know, Mike's told his story. We've all done that before, you know, just picking up a pen and pulling a lever or something like that and shooting ink. It never hurts to just ask. Then you can kind of start that conversation too. It's like, you know, maybe that's the jumping off point to learn something more about the pen. But like, no matter how, like how well you think, you know, somebody, you know, I, it never hurts to say, Hey, can I pick this up and take a, take a closer look? Um, Here's a general rule for you. Consent is important. Consent is important. <laughs> There's just a general way rule around. for everything in life. Yep. That's a good way to put it. So yeah. for me, sometimes it's just catching their eye. If they're talking to someone else and just touching it and say, may I, and they'll yes. just, nod and you know the the best rule of thumb is twist first the worst yeah. cases yeah. you'll end up with the uh, back end of the pen in your hand lightly yeah. <laughs> lightly twist yeah. first yeah. nib up nib yeah. up nib up, nib up. <laughs> <laughs> we've all we 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 speak that one from experience yeah mm-hmm. absolutely i've taken many someone, pens apart that were full caps <laughs> if somebody mm-hmm. is explaining to you a filling system don't act out what they're telling you because I did yes. that <laughs> and squirted ink all over a vintage pen uh, owner's table. They were just yes. telling me how it could be done. They were not telling me to do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So one of the, one of the things that Todd brought up was when he's buying a vintage pen and I think we, you know, like we have a couple of different, you know, discussion points about this. Like I, he wants to, he mentioned that, if he's really interested in a vintage pen, 
he doesn't want to just dip test it. He wants to fill it with ink and write with it. And like, I can understand that from a buyer's perspective. I can also understand not wanting that from a vendor's perspective. So, and it varies by vendor. Some will have all of their pens inked up for you to test out. Some will have none of their pens inked up for testing out. Some will allow you to dip those pens to kind of get a feel for the nib. But like with a vintage pen, the filling system is the key to whether that pen's in good shape or not, right? Can you get a good fill in whichever type of old filling system it's using? You know, has it been restored and things like that? I'm okay. Like Anna mentioned, I would ask maybe to fill it with water to ensure that its integrity is intact, right? Like it's in good shape. I don't know that I would need to fill it with ink, but I get the idea. And if I'm spending a lot of money, I may be more stern on that, right? Well, I really want, if I'm spending, you know, $300 on this pen, I really want to know before I go away. And that's fair. And if you get pushback on that, it's okay to say no. It's not the end of the world. Maybe it's wasn't, it wasn't the best experience with that vendor. And you know what? Sometimes that just happens. But um, you're going to find varying degrees of where vendors are willing to go. They're, I think in general, they're more and more open to allowing you to really test. Like if there's genuine, genuine interest in making the purchase, they're going to do what they can, obviously, to help you out to make that sale. Um, you're going to run into instances where they're going to say, no, I can't let you do that. And you know what? You say, thanks for your time and we'll move on to the next one. And it Uh, also depends like on a Friday or a Sunday, they may be more inclined to do that when it's not as busy on a Saturday when it's really busy, they may be less inclined just because of the time it takes to fill the pen. And then if you decide not to buy it, they have to remember to empty that pen before they put it back in their case. So, you know, respect that it just might be timing if they're curt on a Saturday, just because usually Saturdays are the most busy day. Um, they're, they're probably not, you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, depending on how busy they are, they may, it may just not be the best time to ask somebody, can you fill this pen for me so I can test it? Right. So speaking of asking, let's wrap up this part before we talk about the Atlanta show specifically. Let's talk about haggling at a pen show. So Todd's email, he was very adamant about like, you have to haggle. And he basically said, you shouldn't even be there if you're not willing to haggle. I get the standpoint of that, but it's obviously not, you know, an across the board, black and white type of rule type of thing. You know, if you're working with, and and he obviously, you know, alludes to that in the email. And I'm not going to share the email. It's really long and really good, really in-depth. So I, I appreciate that, Todd. Um, with vintage vendors and secondhand merchandise, I mean, there's room to haggle, right? There just is. And whether you're comfortable with that or not, um, you know, that's one thing. I tend to not go into a purchase like I'm going to work this price down as part of my job to get the best price, right? I'll go into it as, well, what do I want? How bad do I want it? Is the price fair? You know, am I buying multiple pins? Does that change my, you know negotiating leverage, you know, if I'm buying multiple things. So I just tend to think about 
several different things if I'm going into haggling. I generally will um, for vintage or used or secondhand merchandise. I almost never will on new merchandise because those prices are somewhat fixed. You know, there is a little bit of wiggle room in new modern merchandise. And like I said, if I'm buying two pens from someone, I'll might say, Hey, can I, can we just call it this, you know, round number for the ease of me saving a few bucks and you not having to do as much math, like, you know, those kind of things work. But if you think you're going to get, you know, necessarily, you know, like 25% off, like the vintage pen price that, you know, maybe they're only going to make, you know, X amount on, you know, they may or may not. The worst they can say is no, right? I'm like, I'm not against haggling, but you gotta, I think there's an art to it. And like Anna says, this is the perfect place to practice it, right? Absolutely. And there's some vendors who are notorious for haggling and others where if you are pleasant and a nice customer, they and you show genuine interest in something, they may just come down on the price a little, you know? Yep. So it's, you kind of just have to, it's, you know, sort of play your odds. Like if you right. come in and hardball right away, they may just be like, nope, that's the price. Yeah. You know, but there yeah. are specific vendors that it's just like haggling is just how they do business. And those are the ones whose tables where nothing's priced. Right. I, I don't get shop at those tables because I'm not knowledgeable enough to have a starting point in general. Right. So I will just like continue to walk. I'll, hey, how you doing today? And then I'll just move right along if because that's not, not my wheelhouse. Enough, what, ex- what chance do any of us have? <laughs> I'm talking about vintage stuff. Uh, okay. Like, okay. I'm talking about, okay. I'm not talking about like modern stuff, anything in the last 20 years. Right. Like I kind of know what it is, but vintage is like if someone's got a really beautiful table of all kinds of vintage Parkers or Esther Brooks or, yeah. you know, Waterman's, any of like the really great vintage stuff. And that I don't have that mental capacity to know that I f- will feel satisfied making a purchase, right? At the end of the day, I want to feel that I spent my money well, you know, that I got value for my personal, whatever my ideal goals are, like that I did a good job, um, not question myself. Oh, did I get a good deal? You know, I mm-hmm. don't, I don't want to put myself in that situation. So I actually watched two vendors haggling on Sunday at the little rock show mm-hmm. and Laura and I were watching and we're like, look, it's an immovable object in an unstoppable force. <laughs> Let's see how this goes. <laughs> and it was like, just, we couldn't hear what they were saying, but it was like, like, this is not going anywhere. And it's yeah. like, eventually one vendor walked away. We're like, Nope, didn't get what we wanted. <laughs> like about thirty minutes later, he came back and they were at it again. And we're like, "You think this is going to work out this time?" We're like, "No, don't think so." The, these notes that we're sharing are endless, and we can't cover all the topics. We can't cover all the topics in depth, but just know that you have friends at the pin shows you go to, even if it's your first one. You know, you will find familiar faces or online names or me or Mike or Anna who are more than glad to help you and hold your hand and ask you questions. And I walk people around all the time. It's like, Hey, let's go look at this. And Hey, I know this guy. Let me introduce you to him. You know, use the resources you have at hand, you know, um, you know, ask a bunch of questions, ask for help, you know, 
we didn't know everything when we started and we don't even come close to knowing everything now, but we're in a little bit better position to where we can get to those answers or have some guidance that, you know, you may be learning for the first time that we've experienced. So feel free to come up to us and, you know, you'll, you'll be able to meet a lot of people and, you know, bounce a lot of questions off some other friends at the show, new and old friends alike. So on to, Atlanta specific things real quick before we get our last sponsor and a couple of uh, ask TPAs and a little bit of story time from, from Anna Reinert herself. Um, <laughs> the podcast next weekend, 6 PM Saturday evening at the Atlanta show hotel, the Wyndham. If you have done this before, you know, the routine. If you haven't, I implore you to come see me or Mike or Jeff at the Notco table and get a ticket if you're a Kickstarter backer. Kickstarter backers get priority into the event. Over the last few years, we've run at max capacity, but not over max. So we're able to get everyone in, but we want to make sure that our Kickstarter backers do. So come get a ticket. We will have tickets and we'll have uh, door prizes at the end, uh, which we always do, which those tickets uh, duplicate as your entry into the door prizes. But we want to make sure that all of our backers get a seat. And uh, we've never had to turn anyway at the door, but we always run that risk. Every year it gets closer to that happening. And I think that this year might be the year. Yeah. So it ends up being standing room only. Yeah. There will definitely be a line to get in and, um, you know, just we will uh, we will do our best to get everyone in, but we will hit a max at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just want to make sure the Kickstarter backers are taken care of. If you're a weekend pass holder, the show promoters do something really cool on Friday night and have a cookout for everybody at the hotel. I just implore everyone, if you're doing that, to attend that. Um, I know. Uh, Jimmy Dole of the show promoter really enjoys putting on that event for everybody. So I just wanted to throw that out there as a, if you're a weekend pass holder, don't forget about it. Like it's not a mandatory event or you don't have to go, but just know that it's offered it's free food and drink. Mm -hmm. And it's just a good, it's a way for Jimmy to give back to the community, but he likes it when a lot of people show up, he likes, you know, doing nice things for, for us at the show. So don't forget about that. I think that's just a really cool thing that Jimmy does. That's a little bit different than some of the other shows. So um, those are just a couple of things I wanted to mention. I think it mention. makes Jimmy feel like Papa Pen show. Yeah, for sure. He is definitely Papa Pen show. Um, he is, he is Santa Jimmy. So uh, he's just, he really wants to take care of everybody. And that's, you showing up to that event like makes him feel good. Like the year I just, I say this because I screwed him one year by taking everyone out of the hotel and he was really upset. Like he's like, where did all the people go? I was like, well, I didn't know any better. I took everyone to knock for a party. Um, ever since yeah. that, was first year. <laughs> that was our first year. And he, that was when he got super mad at me. Like, you know, not obviously like yelling mad, but he couldn't figure out what happened. And I didn't know any better that this was like part of his gig is like to have this cookout for everyone who comes to the show. I was like, well, we sh- we're part of the show. We want to, we want to support Jimmy. So like, let's do this. Like yep. he's good. He's we'll doing be. something nice for us for free. So we will be there, um, for that event. And, um, 
Atlanta's a good show. It's chill. You know, it's it's small-ish. It's just right-sized. It does get, it gets a little bit busy and crowded and hectic on Saturdays. Friday's usually pretty busy there, too. And then, like, if you're local and you happen to listen to the show and you only have one day to come, like, and you're not going to do, like, the event stuff, it's usually pretty quiet on Sunday. You can get around pretty well on Sunday in Atlanta. But uh, it's a great show. I look forward to seeing everybody once again, especially you two, um, who I have not seen this year. Right, I haven't seen not since October. Yeah, Yeah, it's been since October, so I'm ready. Uh, We'll also be attempting, as we always do, to live stream the show. Um, So Mm -hmm. if look out for that kind of around six six thirty p.m. on Saturday night Mm -hmm. in East uh, Eastern time, right? Yes, Eastern time. Yeah, so we will attempt to be live streaming, but hotel Wi-Fi needs to be our friend for that. However, the episode will be out, I reckon, by like nine p.m. Eastern. Um, so that shouldn't be a problem. You know, it will be out quickly. All right. Let's, uh, I want to hear, Anna's got us, uh, tales to regale us with. Okay. Um, and I've, I've purposefully not picked her brain about this waiting for this opportunity. So, uh, let's talk about our good friends at Harry's because you know, they're going to be a big player next weekend. (laughs) And then we'll, then we'll talk about, uh, Anna's travels. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. So they knew a great shave. They know what it's all about. It comes from having great razor blades. It doesn't come from having gimmicks like vibrating razor heads or handles that look like spaceships. These are just things that happen and the prices go up. This isn't what Harry's is about. They combine a simple, clean design with German quality, durable blades, and they sell them to you at a fair price. Harry has bought their factory that's been making blades for over 95 years, allowing them to sell their cartridges at just $2 each, which is half the price of the big brands. All Harry's blades come with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know why, and they will give you a refund. They believe in their product. And Brad, why will people love their shave? Uh, because it's fantastic. Like I did, I like I did the the pre beard trim, you know, for the Atlanta mm-hmm, show mm-hmm. this morning. Which you know, for the beard trim, Harry's you know doesn't have like the electronic trimmer that I use. But what I do do, their blades are so good, they can clean me up sharp and nice around the edge and the bottom there. And I just ordered, I just reordered like my travel supplies. Like I use this, I use the big. Um, shave cream at home but i take the smaller ones on the road and so i just reordered and every time i reorder i always do the little the the mystery gift you like add five dollars for a mystery gift they sent the giant bottle of body wash was my mystery gift this time which i was almost out of the previous one anyway so that's a pretty solid mystery gift for five bucks so i was i was happy with that in my latest order all right so these are just some of the reasons i'm sure why harry's has over 20,000 five-star reviews at Trustpilot and Google. Uh, so people love these products, and I think there's good reasons why. You can get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything that you need for a close, comfortable shave, including a weighted ergonomic handle, five-blade razor with lubricated trimming trip, uh, lubricated strip and trimmer blade, and a rich lathering shave gel as well, and a travel blade cover all in that one set for you. And, and listeners to this show can redeem their trial set by going to harrys.com slash penaddict. So go right now, harrys.com slash penaddict to redeem your offer, and then they'll know that you came to them from this show. Our thanks to Harry's for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. All right, Anna. I want the dirt. <laughs> I want the nitty-gritty. I want the secrets. Because you spent a large amount of time driving 
with our good friend Lisa Van S from <laughs> Little Rock, Arkansas to Los Angeles and back in the ink van. And I can't imagine, like I've spent a lot of time around both of you and it's one of like the highlights of my life just to be in the same um, space as the two of you and just talking and hanging out and having fun. But you spent two more weeks. than a normal amount of time confined with Lisa. So give us, and give Davina, us the secrets. Davina actually rode with us on the way back. That's so there right. Were three of us. There were three Davina. of us and like, I don't know, 500 bottles of ink. Whoa, 500 bottles of something. So yeah, Div- just uh, Davina works at Vanessa Pens in Little Rock. So just a heads up for those who don't know Davina. So hi, Davina. So yeah, give us, give us, give us the lowdown of this road trip. Not even the pen show part. Like I don't even care about that, but getting out there and, and coming back. Cause I, I talked to y'all a bunch, but that was a fraction of the time you actually spent doing this. So I drove from Kansas city to little rock, um, which is like a six hour drive in just pelting rain. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, because it, it had like snowed and iced the day before I left Kansas City. So I was totally looking forward to being in Little Rock because the weather was warmer, but just drove in total rain. So I was like, this does not bode well for this trip. <laughs> but I got there. We loaded up the van in the rain. And they do this so often. They like totally had a system for like how to load the van in the rain, which I was so impressed by. Um, nobody dropped an entire ink thing on their shoes, mm. unlike Brad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and then we left Monday around one or two o'clock and we got as far as I think like Oklahoma or something. We didn't get very far the first day. Um, and then the second day we got as we drove through, uh, like Texas and we stopped at the Cadillac ranch. And so we, took pictures out there and it was kind of windy, but the sky was clear. It was really nice. We had a ton of fun. We stopped at um, some restaurant, um, like the 72 ounce steak. Turned eh. out to be like three and a half pounds of meat. We did not order that. Oh. But um, we stopped at all these like crazy different restaurant, like diners, like all along the road. Um, we went to like the Route 66 Museum on the way out and um, drove through Albuquerque, which I used to live in Albuquerque. Um, so that was kind of fun to just sort of see it. But, you know, we only had like three days to get out there. So we, you know, we didn't get to do a lot of stuff, but we tried to stop a few different places. Um, we stopped in New Mexico and hit a couple little touristy places as well. I kept picking up anything that had green chilies in it. So we got like green chili, caramel, popcorn to bring back to Bob. And oh my God. <laughs> then I realized that like I basically carried around for like 10 days. So by the time I got it home, it was a little stale, but he was entertained anyway. <laughs> um, but uh, it was, I mean, like I was surprised that LA was colder. Like when we got there, it was raining when we got to LA. That was the crazy thing. It never rained in LA and it rained. It was like just pouring rain when we, we got into LA Sheesh. and like cars were sideways on the highway. Like they didn't know how to drive in the rain. They were like freaking out and we're like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> it's like the way people in the South get when it snows. Yeah, it's exactly. Like totally freak out. 
I'm so surprised they mo- weren't all at the store like buying bread. Like, <laughs> who did most of the, the drive? Who did most of the driving on the way? On the way out, we basically split it half and half. And it's kind of funny because I usually drive a Mini Cooper and then I was driving this giant van. So it was a little bit of an adjustment for me. <laughs> <laughs> so then and, you, you like oh, have this. To sc- Go ahead. Uh, having to screw this seat back because, you know, Lisa's really tiny and I'm not much taller, but had to really make adjustments. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all get out to L.A. three days out. You have, we'll, we'll call it an interesting time at the L.A. Penn Show. Very um, interesting. We need to belabor that point. No. And then Sunday night, y'all pack it up. Do y'all head back out Sunday night or Monday? We um, packed up, ate dinner. And then we wanted to at least get outside of L.A. so that we didn't hit rush hour traffic in the morning. Mm-hmm. So we drove like basically just to get on the other side of L.A. Mm-hmm. And we were no more than an hour outside of L.A. It started to snow. Like yeah, the so biggest this is snow when my, we've ever seen. This is when my phone starts blowing up for like the next two days, right? Like <laughs> I want to know, number one, like how insane the inside of the car was while y'all are driving through this mess. We were just, it just got miserable. Like the rest of the drive, like all through Arizona and New Mexico, like it was snow, sleet, hail, fog. I mean, we hit every kind of weather condition you can imagine. And I was like, this has got to be a joke. (laughs) At one point, Lisa was asleep and Davina and I are like, is that fog? Yeah, we've now covered fog. We have had all the weather. Like the only thing we're missing is tornadoes and hurricanes. And we're not even saying that because it might happen. (laughs) (laughs) But at one point in Arizona, like I-40 was down to single lanes and it was just us and 18 wheelers because it was like the, it was, the weather was so bad and the snow plows hadn't come through and um, the windshield wiper uh, fluid had frozen. So we couldn't like, wipe the snow off the windshield because they are so dry that as soon as it hits the windshield, it dries. So it was like like crusty on the windshield. So we'd have to like pull off like every 20 or 30 minutes. And Lisa would have to jump out of the car, splash water on the windshield so I could make the windshield wipers, like wipe it clean because we were just like driving in complete gray and then keep going. It was just awful. (laughs) The drive home was miserable. It was so bad. So did any of the ink freeze did no. you, uh, overnight? Like, did y'all have to stop overnight and like any, have any like inventory problems? Like I was did not. curious about that. Yeah. So, that was the one thing like, we were worried that that would happen, but nothing mm-hmm. in the car froze. Nice. All right. We so even had, we even kept like water bottles like that were, that had like, you know, an inch of water in them on the, the dashboard because we figured if anything would freeze, those would freeze first. And when we, came out in the morning those were not frozen they didn't even even have any ice cubes so that because it didn't get quite i mean it's just at the like 30s yeah all right so let's wrap this up on a couple questions number one would you do this again and number two what did you learn about lisa that you didn't know before let's see I had to use a lot of my vacation days from work. So I have, I'm like going to skid by for the rest of the year for the pen shows. <laughs> I'm going to have like zero vacation days, which I've never had happen. So I don't know that I would do 
like 11 days <laughs> road trip again anytime soon. Um, we had a lot of fun on the way out. We were really trying to come back in two days, but the weather was not cooperating. Like if the pen show was like two weeks later or something and the weather was a little better, I think it would have been okay. But we just mm-hmm. hit every there. Um, what did I learn about Lisa? I think when she got stressed and tired, her accent got thicker. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, so occasionally I'd have to have her repeat something because I was, wouldn't be able to understand her. And I've lived in Tennessee, yep. like for ten years, so I understand most Southern accents. But she would hit a point where I was like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be a fly in the cabin of the van during this trip, I think would have been quite a uh, quite a sight to behold. Like I. Like I said, I, I talked to y'all a bunch on the way out and on the way back and while you're at the show, but like I couldn't even fathom, you know, what, what it was like hanging out with like, you know, two of my best friends just uh, on the way out to a pin show on the way back. So we'll have to I might have to figure out maybe maybe one day the, the three of us, one of our events could be a road trip uh, across the U.S. I don't know. We might all kill each other by that by that time. But, uh, you know, maybe we can we can drive to a pin show one year. Mike, what do you think? I wouldn't be uh, adverse to that idea. <laughs> I don't know if overall, it would ever work. Overall, it was actually a lot of fun. Like the drive and everything. If the LA show itself hadn't been what it was, I mm-hmm. think that the road trip would have been a success. But the fact that the show itself wasn't great made the trip back even more stressful, I think. Yep. So maybe I'll save my uh, mile marker field notes for the time that we all take yeah. a road trip, and uh, we'll we'll document it uh, on the road again with the, with the Pin Attic podcast. So that would be fun. So we'll have to think about that one year, right, Mike? I like it. All right. Well, I think let's hold this ass TPA, Mike. I think I'm just so amped to get to Atlanta mm-hmm. and just talk about pin shows and travels, and there's a lot going on right now. I think. You know, we got some good ass TPA. I'm sorry if we're not going to get to it this week, but I think we're at the right spot. Do you want to talk about who we're going to have on our live episode next week? Do you want me to? Do you want me to put the pressure on them to not back out on us before we get there? I'm going to leave that decision up to you. So we'll we'll tease next next week's live episode. We have two guests that I've booked, and I'm pretty sure at least one of them is going to come through. <laughs> and that All one right. of them... <laughs> <laughs> that one of them is our good buddy Jessica Coles of Esterbrook Repair Fame, of Well Appointed Desk Writing Fame, of Pin Show Fame, um, and podcast one time podcast guest pain, fame. So, yep, as great uh, holiday, well honeymoon uh, filling guest for me. Yeah, so she's wonderful, y'all. Great, know we all. Love her to death. So she's going to be a guest. We'll talk about uh, we'll talk about pen shows and repairing pens and all that stuff. So uh, no pressure, Jesse. You are you are locked and loaded for the show. Our, our she second can't guest back out. can't back out <laughs> I now. Won't let her. Nope. Our second guest, I joke about backing out because I know him well enough that it's a possibility. And the more I publicly shame him about it, the more I hope he will actually show up and do this show. But I have a backup plan in case he doesn't. And that's Chris Roth of Write Pads. I'm actually getting him out of Baltimore, which he never likes to do. And 
on the road to Atlanta. So Wright Pads is going to be at the Atlanta Pen Show. And we've got Chris. I'm excited about that personally because I've been wanting to see these notebooks for a while. Yeah, so we've got Chris on to talk about printing. And like I'm going to talk a lot about his business outside of the right notepads and like he's he's a long-term print guy so this is a this is a bigger story than just like what we know him for so he'll be a great interview we just got to get him there so uh i i kid because i i love chris and and we're good friends um but i know i know how i know how he thinks and he'll he'll be denying it till the moment he shows up uh there at the pen show whether he's coming or not but i have faith in him chris i have faith in you buddy you'll you'll be there and you will be a guest on the show if not it's on record that you know showed now so i've called you out all right so (laughs) on that note uh we're very excited to be at the atlanta pen show uh can't wait to see those of you that are going to be in attendance but if you can't it's totally fine we're going to give you the lowdown and we're going to give you a great episode of the show next week with some wonderful interviews as well but remember that episode will be coming out on saturday um so you can find us all online you can go to penaddict.com for brad's work you can go to knock.co you can follow him on Twitter where he is at Dowdyism and your pen addict on Instagram. Uh, you can go to Well Appointed Desk where you can find all of Anna's work. And if I'm right in remembering, Anna is Well APPT Desk uh, on both Twitter and Instagram. Is that right, Anna? Yes. Yes, I did it. I did it. Uh, I am I Mike. I am YKE. Uh, you can keep up with everything that we do and I'm sure there'll be lots of Instagram stories and all that kind of stuff coming out the Atlanta Pen Show so you can maybe uh, live vicariously through us all but can't wait really excited to get on that plane next week once again thank you to everybody who made it happen and uh, we'll be back next week until then say goodbye everybody goodbye everybody. everybody